discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. So, questions, right? Yeah. Right. So, I just realized that whenever I commit an error, it feels good and it feels very comfortable and easy to do so and I like it. Wow. But when it comes to obeying God or fellowship with God, it becomes extremely difficult and uncomfortable for me. I want it to be the other way around, but I don't know how. Beautiful. What you are used to, you enjoy. What you are used to, you do what? Aquatists. If you go to South Africa, they don't eat bantu. They have something called pap. It's very different. Pap and chisanyama. That's meat. Plenty meat. You may not like it. You may not like Indian food. How many of you have eaten Indian food? Curry. You've eaten curry before. They put curry in everything. It may not taste nice at, at, at first, but you can get used to it. You see. The devil's work is very easy. The devil's work is to destroy. If we are destroying this building, how many minutes do you think it should take for us to destroy this building? How about if we want to build it? It should take a long time to build, isn't it? So the devil's work is very easy. Getting in, in touch with the devil and letting the devil destroy our life is the easiest thing on earth. It's the easiest thing on earth. You don't need to do much. You don't need to struggle. Oh, wrong. Just, just. It's very simple. Just be normal. You have it. Uh, but when you are, when you are fellowshipping the Lord and when you are following the Lord, you are building your life. So it takes time. And it comes with a certain kind of um, getting used to it. You need to get used to it gradually. It's just like learning any new thing. Before I learned how to drive, I was greatly impressed by those who could drive, eat, and talk at the same time, and text at the same time. It's a dangerous thing, but people do it. The guy is texting while she's driving. The Lord have mercy on you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But when you learn how to drive, you'll be surprised that you can do the same thing. Realize that you are driving one hand. Can I can even leave the steering wheel. And you are just doing something else. Yes, I've, I have driven to places. I don't remember getting there. I don't know how I got there. Before I realized I was there. I don't remember the drive. Because whilst I was driving, it's either I was talking, I was having a meeting in the car. Yes, just having a chat with somebody. Talking, giving instructions. My friend do it like this. No, no, no. Break this part of the building and do it like... That's the conversation I'm having as I'm going. So before I realize I'm at where I'm supposed to be. Sometimes I have a default setting that I drive through this particular area. Today I'm supposed to go through this side, but before I realize I've gone through that area, I've gone to the next town. Yeah. You see, it takes time. Everything takes time. It doesn't, it's not a light switch. No. 
it takes time. But then with time, you'll get used to it. If I have gotten used to it, your pastors have gotten used to it, it is more difficult for me to do something wrong than for me to do something right. I've never, I don't insult. Those of you who have been with me, you never hear me insulting. I don't insult, I can't. I don't use bad words. I can't do that. I don't have that. But when I came to university first year, I was at Katanga Hall. Yeah, I'm a fellow. Yes. And you know what will happen? Every the beginning of a statement is Abua. Abua announces the Kwasia. Then the Kwasia is the end. That was how it was. Yes. We'll do something. So later on, when I got home, after first semester, when I got home, I was talking to my younger brother and I was, when I got Kwasia, this is, this is, this is, my mother said, hey, come, 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 what is going on? You have changed. I said, what are you talking about? I said, look at the way you are talking. I said, eh, and she described, this is what you have been saying. I've checked you talk in the last one day and that's what, you, your, your speech is not good at all. I said, oh, I'm sorry, school has affected me. I'm changing now. And that was it. So, it's, it's very difficult for me to do, like the way my heart will beat if I'm, I find myself in a certain situation of sin, opportunity to do something. My heart will beat. I will lose taste. My, do you understand? Yeah. The secretions are going on. It will, it will deactivate me. Yes. It's very difficult for me to. But some years ago, it was, it was very easy for me to do some bad things. I should do it right now. Just like you are in, in that particular situation now. But with time, it has become more difficult for It's amazing. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. If I were lying, I would have told you. It is very difficult for me to do some things. Yes. Very, very difficult. Unbelievably difficult. No energy. I don't have energy for foolish things. I have energy for the right things. Yes. You see. So don't give up. Keep pushing. Keep following the Lord. Keep doing what God wants you to do. Keep building a relationship with God. Very soon. You'll be surprised that you'll be on a certain level where that thing that was pleasurable will become nasty to you. Actually, when the glory of the Lord is revealed to you, you will see how nasty sin is and how nasty what you think brings you pleasure is. The Lord will give you your own pictures of nastiness concerning that thing. And you realize that ah, this thing is really nasty. You will not get into it. So don't give up. But don't give up. Keep pressing on. Keep pushing on. You become what God wants you to become. Hallelujah. I don't know if I've answered the person. You have, I saw someone's physical hand here, right? Your hand was up, isn't it? So let's do one of this and then one of that. Like that. So that's, that's more. Because you are reading, it's like it doesn't come with the emotions. That's the person asking the question will come, it will come with. You get it? Yeah, what's your question? Yeah, Bishop, please, uh, I wanted to ask, um, in this contemporary time, so recent times, um, how can you really tell that you are really anointed by God without a prophet coming to, you know, anoint your hair? Like how David can you tell if you are really anointed of God? If you are what? If you are really anointed by God, in this modern world, without a prophet really coming to your house to anoint your hair? Okay, as you find in the Bible. Exactly. And then, please, um, the next thing is, are there really types of anointing? 
maybe business anointing, prophetic anointing, maybe apostle, like in a particular field. And then the third one. This is a big question. Yeah. And then um, the, the, the third one. Uh, how do I even put it? Um, the third one. Um, if you feel. Uh, if you really find like you are really anointed by extraordinary from all others, then how can you really grow that anointing daily, you know, to get it strong? Yeah. Amazing. Wow. wow. It's a committee. The whole committee. Well, the first question is, how do you know you're anointed? Do you need a prophet to come and come and pour oil on you in your house? Uh, practically no. Practically not. In the New Testament, things are different in the New Testament. The Old Testament was a shadow of the New Testament. Okay? Jesus is a reality. I won't relate with your shadow when you are here. If you are here in person, why should I talk to your shadow? I have to talk to you in person. You get it? So the Old Testament was a shadow of the New. And if you read in Colossians chapter 2, Verse 16. Look at Colossians 2, verse 16. All the things that happen in the Old Testament have its fulfillment in Christ. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or, or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or the Sabbath, Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. All those things are a shadow of things to come. But the body is Christ, or the body is of Christ. The reality, Jesus is the reality. That's what he's trying to tell you. Okay, he says, let no man judge you in respect of what? Go back to verse 16. He mentioned Holy Day. The Holy Days were the three major feasts in the, in the Old Testament. Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of um, Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets. Okay? And these were the major feasts. Hallelujah. And it happened once every year. Then the new moon. New moon was every month. Okay? You know new moon. Every month the, the moon becomes full and then it, become, it, it, it vanishes and then it comes again. Uh, so there were celebrations for the new moon and then there were celebrations for the Sabbath days. Okay? The Sabbath days was every week. So there were weekly celebrations, monthly celebrations, and yearly celebrations. He says, none of these things. He says, let no man judge you in respect of meat, drink, or eat in respect of any of these things. But the, all these things were a shadow. All the things that were done in the Old Testament were a shadow. He says, the reality has come. Jesus is there. So Jesus is your year. Jesus is your month. Jesus is your week. And hence, your day. It's every day for you. Now, Jesus is everything. Jesus, the word Christ, okay, when we say Christ, it's not Jesus' surname. No, no. Jesus, Jesus, Christ is not Jesus' surname. Like his father was Christ, uh, Joseph Christ. And no, 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 no. Christ, Christ has a meaning. Christ means, the Greek for Christ is Christos. And it means the anointed. And his anointing. That's what it means. Christ is the anointed and his anointing. So by virtue of your new birth, when you get born again and you come into Christ, when you get born again, you are placed into the body of Christ. By virtue of your new birth, you are anointed. So the Bible lets you know that you are anointed. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an unction from the Holy One. And you know all things. You have an unction. The word unction is anointing. So, you are anointed by virtue of your new birth. Why? Because you are in the one who is the anointed. Christ is the anointed and he is the anointing. Did you understand? Uh, anoint is English for smear. You are anointing yourself. When you are pomading yourself in the morning, you are anointing yourself. So, the word anointing is not, that is not the key. It is what you are anointed with that matters. Do you understand? Uh, you anointed your body this morning. My dad didn't you anoint yourself this morning. Everybody anoint everybody. If you don't anoint your boy, I don't. So maybe you anointed your body with share share butter this morning. We have share butter anointing this morning. Eh? Go to verse twenty-seven. First John two twenty-seven. I want to help you understand it very well. Okay. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. This is to every child of God. The anointing which you have received of him abideth in Which anointing is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit who is in you by virtue of your new birth even. Just your new birth alone makes you anointed. Because the Holy Spirit is involved in your, your new birth. The Holy Spirit is the content for anointing you for God's purposes. It is not the oil that was poured. It was the fact that the oil was a sign they didn't need a pouring of an oil upon them in public for them to know that they are anointed. God knew who he had placed his spirit on. But for the sake of the people who were looking on, to differentiate between this one and this one, he made a public, he had a public show. Hallelujah. What was I saying? Public show, right? Uh-huh. So, for instance, Elijah. There was no public pouring of oil upon Elijah. For Elijah to become anointed. There was nothing like that. How about Moses? There was nothing like that. So you, they didn't need, it wasn't something that was required. No. It's the, it's the presence of the, the Spirit of God upon the person that made the person anointed of God. Not the oil. But the power is not in the oil. The power is in the Spirit. No matter how much oil we pour on you, the Holy Ghost is not interested. He's not interested. Please, you understand? Uh-huh. So the content is, is the Holy Spirit. So this, by the anointing which you have received of him abided in you. And in your new bed, the Holy Spirit is involved in your new bed. So you are anointed. You are anointed for life. The Holy Spirit, your new, the new bed anoints you for your living. For you personally. Then when you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, there are two different experiences. The new bed, the Holy Spirit is involved in the new bed. The Holy Spirit is the seal of the new birth. Without him, you cannot be a child of God. He is the mother. He is the mother of us all, if, the, if I should say it like that. The Holy Spirit is the womb in which we are all conceived. And the word of God is the seed of the sperm by which we are all conceived. First Peter chapter 1, verse 29. First Peter 1, 23. Okay, being born again, not of corruptible seed. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word seed there is sperm. Amplified will let you know. Look at Amplify quickly. You have been regenerated, born again, not from a mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from one that is immortal, sperm that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting word of God. So the word of God is the sperm by which you are, you are conceived. And the mother that is used to conceive you is the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. 
by one spirit are we all giving birth into one body, which is the body of Christ. When you get born again, you are born again into the body of Christ. Are you in the church? Yes. So by virtue of your new birth, the Holy Spirit is involved in your life. He is the seal of your new birth. Matter of fact, you cannot be, you, you, your, your knowledge that you are a child of God, God is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Romans 8.16. This morning I taught you on scriptures, knowing the scriptures, isn't it? Yeah, so it's important if you don't know the scriptures. The Holy Spirit, you see, I'm, you just asked me a question and I'm just talking. Why? The Holy Spirit is giving me words. This one, this one, this one, this one. I have 15 more scriptures to quote as I'm going. Yes, because it's coming. You see, because the Holy Spirit can speak to me because I understand the language He speaks. So when he says, go here, I know where to go. But if you don't know the scriptures, you wouldn't know what he wants you to. You, you, you don't understand what he's talking about. You see. Uh, you'll be expecting always to speak through, through trees and symbols. It doesn't work like that. But movies and dreams. <laughs> that it says the spirit himself bears witness with the spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with the spirit that you are a child of God. So he is in you by virtue of the new birth. Are you getting it? And he's a seal, like I'm, 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 he's a seal, he's an engagement ring, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. He's a seal of the, of, of the new birth. Look at Ephesians 1, 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the will of the purpose of him who worketh all, all things after the counsel of his own will. Next verse, verse 4. That we should be to the praise of his glory, put fresh trusted in Christ, verse 13. It's actually 14, right? In whom all, you also trusted, after that you, you heard the word of God, of the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit is the seal of your life. And hence you are anointed because you are a child of God. So you don't need a special prophet to come and pour oil on you or for him to come and say something to you to know that you are anointed. You are anointed. It is because you don't know. That is why you don't feel anointed. And I'm telling you that you are anointed because you have an anointing from the Holy One. 1 John 2.27, I was reading it to you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Go to that place. But the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you, and you, have, you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you, teacheth you of all things, and it's truth, and it's no lie, even, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in Him. You are anointed. Say, I'm anointed. anointed. Why are you anointed? Because you are born again. I say it. Just because you are born again. Because you are born again, you are now in Christ, and Christ is in you. Who is Christ? The anointed and the anointing. anointing. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What, what does Christ mean? Christ means the anointed and his anointing. So the anointing, the anointed and his anointing, the anointed and his anointing are in you. When we say Christ in you, Christ in you means the anointed and his anointing. So you are anointed. You don't need special oil to be poured upon you. To let you know that you are anointed. Please, you understand. Now, in terms of service, the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit, okay, to help us serve God. The first one, his first involvement in your life is for you. For you. But there's another experience that you have, which comes with speaking in tongues, because you see, the, the, the disciples knew Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? He said, some say you are Elijah, some say you are this, some say you are one of the prophets, and all of that. Then he asked them, who, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Then 
Peter said that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Simon, son of Jonah. But my Father, which is in heaven, he has revealed it to you. That's what you said. This is Matthew 16, okay? I see it. Now, all the disciples believed in Jesus Christ. They believed in Jesus as the Christ, as the Son of God. Martha said the same thing in John chapter 11. When Jesus came to come and raise his, his, his brother, he, 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 she spoke to Jesus and said that, I believe that you are the Son of God. And that whatever you say, you ask for right now, it will be given to you. So they all believed. So they didn't need to make an open declaration of their faith before they get born again. You get it? They were already believers. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came, recreated them, got them born again, and then filled them. So the first thing the Holy Spirit did was to surround them. That's the new birth for them. But it's not like that for us. It's different for us. We need to believe and make a declaration. But they believed already. And they have been declaring it at different places at different times. That was why they followed him. Please, you understand? Uh-huh. So, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus, before Acts chapter 2, Jesus told them, they shouldn't move to go and talk about him. Don't even try. Don't even try doing something for Jesus without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work. So, Jesus told them, tarry in Jerusalem. This is Luke chapter 24. Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Until you receive the promise of my Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, that is a different kind of anointing for your service. It's for us to be witnesses. So, Jesus told them in Acts chapter, okay, this is one here. And being assembled together with them, Acts 1 4, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said, You have heard of me. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Are you in the church? Then in verse 8, he told them, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So, the Holy Spirit has come upon you for the purpose of settling in you when you receive him. For you to be able to witness concerning Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is the primary witness of Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse 26. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot witness about Jesus Christ. So, there's nothing you can do in the church. The anointing is not for you. The anointing, there's an anointing for you. And there's an anointing for service. What is on me is not for me. My teaching, the teaching anointing that I am working with right now, is not for me. It's not for my use. It is for the body of Christ. It's for you. I don't forget it. So it has nothing to do with my personal development with the Lord. I can come and teach you and not be reading the Bible. And I'll still be able to teach you. Yes. It's different from me personally having my quiet time with the Lord. Personally living with the Lord. It's different. Okay? Are you in the church? That is why a prophet can prophesy and do all kinds of things. And he has a secret life. He's doing all kinds of things. Have you seen that before? But it's like the anointing is working. The power is working. Because that's the, 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 that grace. Okay? So there's no different anointing. There's differences in graces. The anointing that we have, it's the same. We all have the same anointing. Are you born again? Yeah. We're anointed. You have the Holy Ghost. Yeah. We're anointed. We're all anointed for the same purpose. What? To be witnesses. All of us are witnesses. Okay? That is our general calling. Then there's graces or gifts for us to minister to the body of Christ. It's a different thing altogether too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. 
that. So you don't need more anointing. You need more grace. Please understand. You need more grace for the gifts of God that is in your life. If you have the gifts of teaching, that gift needs to flourish. If you have the gifts of healing, that gift needs to flourish. If you have the gift of prophecy, that gift of prophecy needs to flourish. Please, you understand. It needs to flourish for you to become a gift to the body of Christ. I've said a lot of very hard, interesting things in the last. But let me try and break it down even some more. Okay, so do you understand that you are anointed? Why? Because you are born again, isn't it? Do you understand that you are anointed for service? Because you've received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into your life so that with the evidence of speaking in tongues, when you, when you have the evidence of speaking in tongues, you, actually, you are actually empowered for service. What service? For witnessing, to witness. Because that's what Jesus said. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. So it's not for speaking in tongues only. It's so that you will be empowered to witness, to win souls, to change lives, to confirm that, to prove that Jesus is alive today. Are you in the church? Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you understand what I'm saying? How many of you don't understand what I'm saying? You don't understand what I'm saying? You understand? How many of you don't know what important you've been saying? Because some people's hands never came up. So you are anointed, I'm anointed. And you need to remind yourself of that. I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I'm anointed. You are anointed, you are, you are fully anointed because of Christ in you. Okay? And you are also fully anointed for service. To do what God wants you to do because of the Holy Ghost's presence in your life. Because you receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You have that. Now, all of us are anointed to serve, to win souls, to witness, to change this world. That's what we are anointed for. Now, there's another place where God gives gifts of men to the church, to help the church grow. You see, to help everybody grow in the church and to help everybody become what God wants them to become so that they can do this, the work of the ministry even properly. So there's a fivefold gifts of men that God gives. Okay? And he gives some apostles, Ephesians 4, 11. Go up to 10. He that ascended, he that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Go up. Go up. Go to verse 8. I want to show you where he says, he gave gifts unto men. Wherefore, you see, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts so the, the, the apostle is a gift to the church. The prophet is a gift to the church. The evangelist is a gift to the church. Okay? The pastor is a gift to the church. The teacher is a gift to the church. Are you in the church? Uh, so, the fivefold, that fivefold is for the purpose of ministering to the church. Not for ministering people to people outside the church. When it comes to people outside the church, all of us are called to minister to people outside the church. Are you getting it? We are all anointed for that. But apart from that, God give, gives gifts. For what purpose? To train his children to, to do ministry. To do the first one. Which is ministering to the world. To change the world. Which we are all anointed for. Hallelujah. So the gifts can increase by grace. Romans chapter... I don't know if I'm making sense. 
So if I'm a teacher of the, of the, of the word, called to teach the body of Christ, okay? If I'm, a, if, I'm a, if I'm an apostle, called to minister, it's always to the body of Christ. I'm an apostle to love economy. I'm not an apostle to anybody. I'm an apostle to love economy church. As I increase in the grace of God, I'll be an apostle called to minister to the body of Christ at large. People like Bishop Doug. Bishop Doug is an apostle to the whole body of Christ. Not, and sometimes it can be to the body of Christ in Ghana. We have, we have um, prophets or apostles or teachers or pastors or evangelists that are evangelists or apostles or whatever to the body of Christ in Ghana. They don't cross Ghana. If you go beyond Ghana, you can't hear their name anymore. They are those who are called to minister to all English African, English African speaking countries. You hear, they will be able to go all, to all those places. That is their calling. So there's a calling. As well. There are different things. There's a calling. So sometimes you are called to minister to just 30 people. That's your calling. Fulfill it. All of us have a general calling. Minister to the whole world. That's our general calling. And we are anointed for it. That's the anointing you need for that. But apart from that, if you are called to minister to the body of Christ, the body of Christ is in different sections. There are those on a smaller scale and there are those on a very large scale. Someone like Pastor Chris is called, is now ministering as an apostle to the whole body of Christ. He's a teacher of the whole body of Christ in the whole world. When the man is preaching or doing whatever, you have 3.5 billion people watching him online. I don't have that. I can have maybe 2,000 or 3,000 or 4,000 people watching me online. That's it. How did you get it? Yes. So I'm called, I have a smaller group now. But then as the years go by, if I'm faithful with the little that God gives to me, God promotes me. No human being can promote me. I can't promote myself. Only God can promote me. You get it? So that's where faithfulness in your calling comes in. Am I explaining it to you? Uh-huh. Now when it comes to business and all those things, there's no anointing for business. And there's no anointing for... No, we are called to minister to the world. That's our calling. New Testament. There's no calling that you are called to... There's no... Not calling. There's no anointing for business. There's no anointing for... What else? Sports. There's no anointing for entertainment. There's no anointing for media. There's no anointing for what? Studies. There's nothing like that. We are, called, we are, we are anointed by Jesus Christ to fulfill... Are you surprised? It's all over, but it's not true, actually. It's not, it's not, I've not found it. I've not seen, have you seen anything like that since you started reading the Bible? That anointing for business. Come for anointing for business. There's nothing like that. But listen, this is, this is what exists, okay? This is it. When you tie your business to the house of God, your business is now anointed. When you tie your academics to the gifts of God or to the house of God, your academics is now anointed. Do you understand? The presence of the Holy Spirit. Even when you touch your business, you are anointed when you touch your business. Your business is anointed because you are involved. When I say tie your business to the house of God, I mean is that link your business to the kingdom of God. Let the reason for your business be because of Jesus Christ. Not because you want to be a billionaire and be like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. That is not good enough reason. All of them don't believe in Jesus Christ. All the top guys, billionaires, they don't believe in Jesus Christ. You don't need Jesus Christ to be, to be a billionaire at all. In fact, he didn't call you to be a billionaire. That's not what he called. He called you to help humanity. Not, not help humanity. He called you to change lives. He called you to preach the gospel. That's it. 
to be a witness. That's what he's interested in. Are you in the church? That's it. Tie your business to the kingdom and work hard in your business. That's all. For your business to work. So that you can support the kingdom of God. Your business is there to support the kingdom of God. Your business is there so that those who are employed with you can, be, can receive Christ and can have their lives changed. That's all. Have I explained it to you? If you want to increase, I don't know what you are trying to increase in, but if you want to increase in the manifestations of the Spirit, speak in tongues. There's the manifestation of the Spirit. The Spirit can show Himself, because we all have the Holy Ghost. But it can be manifested in this person in a more significant way than in this person. Why? Because this one is more committed to Him. If I want to, if I need someone in this, in this church to help me, who do you think I'll call? I'll call Pastor Kobe. Why? He's closest to me in this church. Or he's the one who is the pastor of the church. If I need something done here, I'll call him. I can call Pastor Kia about something here. I can call all the pastors here. I may not, the chance of me calling you for it is very slim because I don't even have your number. I don't know if you are getting it. I don't have your number to start with. So how am I going to call you? So when God wants something done in a particular place, he only goes, he does it through those who are closest to him. How do you get close to him? So if you want to increase in the manifestation, not increase in the anointing, increase in the manifestations of the anointing, or increase in the demonstration of the power of God, speak in tongues. That's what you need. Okay? Yes. If you are called to the body of Christ, let's say you are ministering, for instance, uh, you are an empty head or a shepherd. You have five people that you are shepherding. You are, you, are, you are fulfilling your calling at that particular point in time. As a, as a shepherd, that's, your, that's for maybe 10 people. You are supposed to do 10 people. The maximum is 10 people. And you have gotten to your 10. You've been able to get to where you're supposed to get to. But you need to be promoted. So you receive more grace to do more. How do you receive more grace to do more? How does grace come? Grace and peace is multiplied unto you through knowledge. So you need to study the word of God more. You see, you need to pray more. You need to engage yourself in the spirit more so that God can promote you. That's all. And it's the same for every gift that needs to increase. If the gift of, if the gift of God in your life is going to increase, pray more. Study more. Fellowship more. Get deeper with the Lord. And you gain authority with God. Jesus didn't have to go for anybody to lay hands on him and pour oil on him. You see? Yes. He went to John the Baptist to be baptized. That was a laying on. It was for the passing on of the priestly service from the Old Testament to the New. That was all. You see, the Holy Ghost came upon him to settle in him, and then he drove him to the wilderness. By the time he finished fellowship with the Lord in the wilderness, when he came out, his fame spread abroad. That was his calling. His fame spread abroad to everywhere. Hallelujah. Have I answered you? Have I answered you? Beautiful. Give the Lord a clap. I'm yet to see anointing for business. Anointing for, there were three anointings in the Old Testament. Or three expressions of the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. So the anointing upon the king, and the anointing upon the priests, and the anointing upon the prophets. This was it. I don't know how business came in. And academics came in. I want anointing for God. There's nothing like that. And these people were standing in three offices. So they were anointed. They were, oil was poured on them before everybody to let them know that the Holy Ghost is on this person. For this particular purpose. Yes, that's what consecration does. To let everybody know that this person is now set apart 
for this particular thing. That's all. So Saul was anointed before everybody. Oil was poured on him before everybody. To let everybody know that this man is now your king. You see. But how many prophets were anointed to be prophets before everybody? There was not, you don't really see much. Elisha, who inherited Elijah, did not have a public anointing service. No. He had to see Elijah go. When he saw Elijah, because Elijah was not taking, the child of fire that came to pick Elijah was not physical. None of the prophets saw it. None of the sons of the prophets saw it. It was only Elisha who saw it. Because he saw it, what they meant was that his eyes were now opened, just like Elijah. You get it? His eyes were opened like Elijah. Yes. And that made him inherit because nobody else saw. Everybody thought that, oh, maybe Elijah had been taken to another place. So they were saying, oh, Elisha, maybe your master has been taken to another He said, oh, no, God has taken him to it. No, they didn't see. They didn't. Nobody saw it. He saw it. So Elijah told him that if you see me go, that's what Elijah said. If you see me, if you are able to, it's not the mantle that made Elijah, Elijah have some. No. It's the, it was the scene. If you can see me going, then it means you've got it. How Elisha get, gets the scene? If they were speaking in terms of it, he needed to hook himself up in the Lord. Hook himself up in the Lord so that his eyes can open. At the crucial time when his eyes are, and when he, he saw Elijah going, he said, My father, my father, and the child of Israel, he saw the child of Israel taking him away. He got it. His eyes were as open as Elijah. So there was a day they were coming for Elisha. The king of Syria sent for Elisha. When the people got there, so many people, when they got there, so many uh, soldiers, his servant, Elisha's servant, Saw the people when he was moved. He said, Master, we are in trouble. There are a lot of people who are here to catch us. And Elisha prayed that the Lord opened the young man's eyes. When the Lord opened the young man's eyes, he saw the numerous angels that were gathered everywhere. Greater than the number of people who were there and the number of demons that were arrayed against them through those people. Yes. Hello? So it's, it's a scene. It's not the mantle. It's a scene. Hallelujah. Like I said, Moses didn't have a public ad, 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 ad. He, he met the Lord. By the time he was coming back, he was fully empowered to do what he was supposed to do. Hallelujah. So that is it. Okay? Can we have another question from here? Am I helping you? Yeah. Are you learning anything? Yeah. If you go to a church where they just talk, say stories about the economy and all, you are in trouble. Though. You are not going well. You need scriptures. Do you understand? You need what? Scriptures, many scriptures should be mentioned to you with explanations. If you don't have that, you are not in a church, you are in something else. You are in a media house. Yes. What is the best way to meditate on the word of God? What is the best way to meditate on the word of God? Sit down. Sit down, put your phone off. If your natural inclination or your habit has become picking your phone up, the, the first thing you do is to pick your phone up when you wake up. Okay? Most of us have that. Isn't it so? When you wake up, the first thing you do is what? Pick your phone up. And when you pick your phone up, you see a message, you see someone saying you should do something, you see something, you see something, before you realize you are forgotten about Jesus Christ. And the day has begun and you are gone. Now, if you are like that, okay? Put your phone on flight mode. 
before you go to bed. Hmm. What kind of emergency are you expecting in the night? Hello? What kind of emergency are you expecting in the night? There's none. Sorry? You are not a, what, a doctor, you are not a pastor. It is only these two people who, who are expecting calls in the night. Because of emergencies. You are not. So I don't know why your phone is still on. Keep it on flight mode so that when you wake up, and, and you're, you are away, and it's away from you. When you wake up, you can take your Bible and literally sit down and open the scriptures, read, and let the Holy Spirit. Normally, when you are reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit will let one scripture or one verse jump to you. Okay? Yes, you can start meditating from that particular scripture. What that? What is meditation? Meditation has to do with pondering over something. Have you ever worried in your life? Have you ever worried about anything in your life? I don't know if you have ever worried about anything in your life. Wow. Even at your age, you can worry. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yes. If you have ever worried about something, then you can meditate. Worrying about something has to do with putting the problem in your mind and thinking about it over and over and over again. Trying to see Burkina, for instance. And as you are wondering, how did it happen? What did I do? How did this guy... You think about... A lot of, and you can't sleep, and your heart is becoming sicker and sicker. Have you seen some before? Okay, so if you have had that before, then it means that you can really meditate. What that means is that you have to, all you need to do is to put the scripture in your head and start thinking about it. That's all. So let's, let's, do, an, let's do an example John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? And Jesus wept. What does it say? For God so loved the earth that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is it, isn't it? So let's say we are going to meditate on the scripture. You just memorize it. You don't need to even memorize it. It can be. You don't need to memorize the scripture. It is there. You can read it. As you are reading it, you are thinking about it. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Wow. For God so loved the world. Hey, so God loves the world. Wow. I never knew that God loved the world. If you've read, if you've been in church and you have heard some scriptures, another scripture that will pop into your head. You see that the scriptures are popping into your head. Different scriptures are popping into your head. All the scriptures that will come easily if you read, for God so loved the world, is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commended his love towards us in that one were yet sinners, Christ died. It's to pop up. 1 John 3 1. Uh, um, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons. You see scriptures popping up to you. Other scriptures will be popping up. Or examples. The Lord will be bringing you many examples. Why he did something somewhere. Why he, he didn't allow the one you were praying for to die. To die. And the last time. If you, a lot of things will start coming to your mind. And he will start instructing you that you don't need to pray for anybody to die. The Bible says, bless them who curse you. And those who despise, says, do good to those who despitefully use you. So if you see that other things are coming, other scenarios are coming to you, that is meditation. And if you are smart, you can start writing them down. When you start writing them down, you are through. You realize that you will never forget. It will stick forever. So that's how you meditate. Practically. Yes, you always remember that scripture. But if there are distractions, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, my son, Attend to my words. You need to give attention. You need attention. That's why I spoke about putting your food aside. 
my son, attend to my You need to attend. If you don't attend, give attention to the word of God. You can't meditate. You can't. Are you in the church? You can't meditate. And meditation is the key to getting the word of God deep in your heart. That is the way to getting the word of God in your heart. If you are not meditating, it's a problem. You can read the Bible and not be meditating. You must be meditating. Because this is the key for your success. Hmm? Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law of the Lord does he meditate day and night. Because he meditates day and night, he says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he doeth shall prosper. You want prosperity? Meditate. You want whatever you do? So this is whatever, including the business. Whatever you do, it shall prosper. His marriage will prosper. His children will prosper. His business will prosper. His academics will prosper. Her, her love life will prosper. Every other aspect of your life will prosper. Why? Because you are into meditation. How do you meditate? Sit down. The word meditation is hagar in the, in, the, in the Hebrew. And it means to chew on. Or to, to ponder on. Or to matter to yourself. To matter. Sometimes you can think and then you start talking. <laughs> How we par, this guy parts, and how could he have dogged me like that? Hey. Nobody is talking to you, you are talking to yourself. Have you seen something about broken heart? You don't know the words. When you grow up, you know. All that the Lumber songs, you only understand when you are older. A lot of bad things have been said in the in those, in those, in those songs. You can't, it's so bad that children can't understand. Yes. Hallelujah. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? So you need to sit down and think. Think on what? On the scriptures. And as you think on the scriptures, you don't know how it works, but it says it will prosper you. Yes. It will give you wisdom. You see. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. So you matter it. Mattering is one of the things. You matter it. You see. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So it's day and night. He's talking about you thinking about the scriptures every time. Can you imagine? It means that you should know it. So it starts off by reading it. By listening to it being preached. One of the major ways I get to know scriptures is by watching videos. When I'm watching a video and they code the scripture and it is written down like that, I remember it. I don't forget. That's how I remember. That's how I know most of the scriptures. Hmm? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. You want good success in every aspect of your life? Meditate. Do it practically. If you commit 15 minutes to thinking on the word in the mornings and in the night, another 15 minutes in the night, you will do very well. You put your phone aside. Your phone is killing you. It is killing you. Social media is destroying you. TikTok is destroying you. You can't focus on anything. Have you noticed? You can't focus. Your, your mind has become very, very weak. Reading helps you to focus your mind. Social media helps you to disperse your mind because you see so many things at the same time. That's 
flip, 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 and you are not impressed for a long time. Small, that's it. You keep seeing new things, new things all the time, and there's no attention. You're unable to bring your mind to one thing. You need to just tune off the phone. There's an off button on the phone for a reason, so that you can put it off. You can put it off. The battery should not die. You can decide that I'm putting my phone off because I want to be with the Lord. Yeah, you can do it for a long time. Yes, you can go for a long time if you never put your phone off. Maybe since you got the phone, you've never put it off yourself. That you have put it off. Start practicing it. I mean, some of us lived in the day when the phone was a phone booth very far away from your house. And you needed to go and stand by it if you are receiving a call. You join the queue to make a call and you stand by it to receive the call if you know the number of that particular phone. And you stand by it and you wait for the call to come. When it comes, then you pick it up. After you finish, the wire was connected to the phone for a reason so that you don't take it away. But they all of a sudden took the wire off. Then that was it. That was, it should follow us. Initially, it came with the wire. It's, it means it's supposed to be left at home. So there are a lot of big corporate heads who don't have mobile phones. It's either you reach them in the office, on their office line, or you reach them in their home line. If they are not home, you don't, you can't, if they are not in the office, you can't reach them. It's finished. I know a big man who's like that. He doesn't, even if he has a phone, nobody knows that number. Only his wife knows and the children know. But I can receive calls from those he has supposed to receive calls from. The rest, and his home, his home phone, nobody knows. That's a few people know. Emergency. If you don't meet him, it's finished. Will you die? You will not die. You will not die if you don't get that information across. You will not die. You can wait till tomorrow. There's something on. Even if it's life or death, am I the one who will take care of you? Jesus will take care of you. Oh? So learn to meditate in Jesus' name. Amen. Any other question here? Okay. And I will come to you. Okay? Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, um, you're, you're talking to a sister in church. Yes. Yeah. Of a marriage. Mm-hmm. So, what's your problem? Why will, will you never talk to a sister about marriage in church? Hey, he's talking about your future if you are not there. So, yes. after months of back and forth, yeah. she finally says yes. Yeah. And, and suddenly, you start feeling scared and wishing as if you didn't tell her anything in the first place. Yeah. So, I want to find out if having such thoughts is wrong. If you are feeling scared, it means you need to pray about it to know whether what you have decided is right. It happened to me some years ago. I went to propose to somebody. And I couldn't see. Listen, before I went to propose, God told me, don't go and propose. I heard clear from the Lord. But my emotions was higher than the word of God. I was, my heart was, I was singing songs. <laughs> if it's not you, then who else? There was a song, there was a song. There was a song, I, I've forgotten the song. Speak in tongues, maybe it will come back. I was singing songs, I couldn't. So, throughout the night, I couldn't, I was battling with the Lord to go and, to go and propose. The following day, I went and go and propose. I went, I went to propose. And when I proposed, 
The lady said, okay. But when I went to sleep, when I, when I went home to go and sleep, I couldn't sleep. Aish! The Lord was telling me, you are destroying your life. Don't do this. You are going the wrong way. Don't do this. This is wrong. This will not lead you where I want you to go. And it was, I knew it. I knew it. Because I wouldn't have been a pastor because of her. I knew it. I mean, I'll buy Ken Hagen book for her. She uses for speech. Her speech. She was not interested. Pastor's, pastor's daughter, but she was not interested. Yes. I'm telling the truth. But I was in love. I liked her. I liked listening to her talk. But throughout the night, I couldn't sleep. So the following morning, I went straight to her and told her, forgive my error. It was an error. I shouldn't have proposed. I, I'm sorry. He said, oh, why? I said, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not at peace with the whole thing. So please, me and I'm a kind of I said it, but I'm, it's okay. I'm lying. Forgive. Two weeks before she got married, she called me and said, you, you proposed to why did you, why did you change your mind? I said, my sister, you are married. Go and marry. And I knew that the one she was marrying was not good for her. I knew. It's been 12 years down the line. She's divorced. So many problems. So many things. I just knew that what she was doing was not right. Yes. But because she was not into the Lord. She was in the house of God, but she was not. It's not everybody in the church who's, uh, who's in the, like, really in the Lord. No. Yes. It's not everyone, who's in the, everyone in the church who really loves God. The person may destroy your life. You need to pray seriously about it. So what you need to do is to pray. Pray seriously about it. And know what the Lord is telling you. If the Lord is telling you not to go ahead, retract quickly. Because you don't know the future. You don't know the future. I mean, the, the gentleman this lady married put her into serious trouble and almost got her arrested in America for various things. They have three children, but then and I was accusing her of something she had not done. So many things. She almost, she was almost incarcerated. Took lawyers to defend her and all of that. Someone who you say you love. Yes. Almost jailed her. So you don't know who your killer is. Maybe the one you are proposing to is that he's going to be the one who kill you. Haven't you seen that before? Yes. Yes. Pretty girl, beautiful face. She's your killer. Big night, midnight killer. Yes. Yeah, it's happening all over. So, because marriage is a long journey. I'll be married for 10 years, just 10 years. It's many more years ahead. We'll have to go another 10 years for 20 years to come, another 10 years for 30 years to come. Another 10 years, 40 years. It's a long journey. If we are not dying, we are around. So if you don't like what you have, you are, you can't kill it. You too are, you can't leave it. Because it's against the, it's against the word of God. Yes. You are free to leave her before you get married. When you marry, you can't leave it. You better believe it. You'll be so, there are people who have divorced their wives. In God's minds, they are still married. <laughs> So when you arrive in heaven, the Lord will ask you, where's your wife? You say, oh, this is my wife. So no, this is not this one, the other one. Where is this? Yes. You'll be shocked. You will be surprised. So 
it's a very important decision. You need to make it in prayer. Make it in scriptures, in, in Holy Ghost. Lord, show me. If it's not her, if it's not him, let her go away. Do something. Let something happen for us not to go. If it is her, let my heart draw closer. Show me. I don't want, me, I don't want problems. I don't want what? Problems. Some people marry. First 10 years, there's no problem. Second 10 years, there's no problem. Third 10 years, there's a problem. So it's not, it's not a prayer. When we say go and pray about it, you go three days, then you come. First, I've prayed about it. You are mad. How can you pray 40 years, about 40 years in three days? You need to take your time and pray. You need some weeks and some months. Yes, to pray about it. And settle with some fast things, of course. Yes, to settle about it. And you see, there are three levels of, of love. There's agape, which is the God kind of love. I don't know what to say, but it's like I have to be here and talk. For you like love, this is going to Yes. There are three kinds. There's agape, the God kind of love. I thought I was in danger. The God kind of love, okay, which is unconditional. When you marry, it's finished. You must love your wife and love your husband with unconditional love. Whether good or bad, I can never change it. Yes, you are loving the person with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, everything that is in you. Yes, whether she's slapping you, when she slaps, when she slaps, you say, oh baby, I love you. Yes. When she doesn't cook for you, you say, oh baby, I love you even more. Yeah. When she doesn't mind you in bed, oh baby. Yeah. You cry a little and say, I still love you anyway. Yeah. But that one is more painful. <laughs> that one is there, so that's agape. Apart from agape, there's filio. And you must love your wife with filio love. Filio is brotherly love. Friendship. You don't mind someone who is not your friend. We are not friends. We can't talk. We can't flow. You say, I, we, are, we, are, we are in love. You are mad. What's wrong with you? You must be able to talk. Have discussions about everything and nothing. Are you in the church? I'm giving you free advice. Friendship. It's important though. Because that is it's a main thing. When your children, all your children go up and leave the house, your friendship is what you will have. If you are not friends, you will not be having sex from morning to evening. You have sex from morning to evening. He has not had sex in a very long time. His wife just gave birth, so he's... It's not coming small, small. It's happening small, small. It's in the fridge. <laughs> that is why, listen. Hey. Are you in the church? Oh, guys, guys, are you here? Every guy, you must learn to zip up. If you don't learn to zip up, there are times when your wife will not be available. Long periods when your wife gets pregnant, depending on the type of wife you have and the type of emotional whatever that is involved, hormones and all of that, you may not be able to have sex first three months of the pregnancy. Some, it is throughout the pregnancy. Some to at a particular time, maybe in the, in the middle of the pregnancy, you can't, you can't have some things. Are you seeing it? When she gives birth, 
You can't drink breasts. Breast is finished. Because the breast is now for your child. So if you are not... I'm telling you the truth. If you... If you don't know how to keep your mouth away from a breast for long, for long months, before years, before you realize when your wife is breastfeeding, before you realize someone else's breast is in your mouth. Hey. The ladies are looking at me and setting was like, ah, what is this man talking about? <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. You will not be able to have sex with your wife at different times when she gives birth, no sex. For some time, for 45 days, 60 days. Yes. I know someone, when the wife gets pregnant, two years. The year of the pregnancy, and then when the child comes, the whole year, no, no, that is. Yes, I tell you, two solid years. Yes. You, you know him. Two years. And he has four children. Yes, so he's been married for about, he's been married for about 16 years. He has four children. Meaning that he's abstained for about eight years. Half of the year. No? Last marriage. Yes. That is why, you see, the Lord is not, oh, keep quiet. The Lord is not foolish when he gives instructions. When the Lord says, keep yourself, he knows what he's talking about. Because you can, you can become unfaithful as a married person. Because of the conditions that come to the marriage. Yes, even in sickness, sometimes your wife will fall sick. Or your husband has a certain special sickness, he can't do some things. What are you going to do? I know someone whose wife was sick for about Eight years of their marriage. They were married for 12 years and she was sick for eight years. I know someone who is kindly in that particular position right now as I'm talking to you. Yes. His wife has been sick for about six years. That's almost throughout their marriage. And he's around helping the wife, doing everything. This other man, they, the, the wife couldn't even have a child. They didn't have a child. He's a famous doctor here around. The wife couldn't have a doctor, uh, uh, have a child, all of those things. But he was there. And the wife, when the wife died, he remarried. When he remarried, he had little triplets at once or so. God is not a fool. Just follow the Lord. You understand? Don't use your own. It's like, oh, you are not giving birth, so I'm going to... Because your wife is not... Did you marry because of children? Did you marry because of children? You marry because of... You say you love this person. You are using a shanty Bible to rule your life. In trouble. Hallelujah. So there's friendship. Friendship. Correct friendship. You can flow, you can talk. You can feel free around each other. Gossip is not a good word to use. You can, you can flow. You understand? Uh-huh. You can flow very happily. Happily with yourselves. Then, the last type of love is eros. Which is sexual love. You don't marry someone you don't have any sexual feeling for. I tell you, when you see here, you are moved. Hey. Oh Lord. Help me Jesus. Or else fire will burn the mountain. If you are not moved. Hey. Don't go. Don't even try. Don't say she's a Christian sister. We don't, we don't do that. She's a Christian. The, the movement is very... All the three things I'm talking about are very important. If none of them are there, if, one, if some are there and some are not there, you should start praying about it to see what the Lord will do for you. Maybe you love her, you are realizing that you can live with her for the rest of your life. She's a good friend, but there's no sexual attraction. Pray for sexual attraction. Pray that the Lord will help you move. Move your waist, move. Your, your ayase, ayase, man, you know? 
You have me moving. The Lord has to move your, your abdomen. Eh? What's I asked it what? Yes, you don't have English for it. Yes. The Lord has to move you around your waist. Hey, it's important though. Or else you will marry. Your wife will be lying down. And you will be lying there. And nothing is happening. And then you will know that it is a very important thing in marriage. Or your wife goes naked and your, your beggars. Do you know beggars? Your beggars come down like this. Like it's nothing. It's not working. You'll be surprised. It's like what do we have? There's no movement. But when you're moving outside in town, when you're actually driving, you see a girl, then your penis will come up. It should be more for your wife than for any other person. Are you in the church? If they don't marry and do yeah, yeah, you, you good. You don't know, eh? Yes. Not once, not twice. Yeah, so you see me after church. You there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Eros. It's important. Something about the guy should move. Of course, most of these are not sexually whatever. But there should be an attraction. Hey, nowadays, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nowadays, the ladies have movements. Yes. So, I mean, there should be some kind of... You understand? Yes. Yes. For you to discipline yourself before you get married. Like, you should be... You should be it's like it's a problem. If it is not there. Yes. You have to learn how to abstain from doing some things with the lady you are going to marry. Yes. You understand? If there is nothing like that, like you are married and there is no... No sexual nothing. Hey. You are married and there's nothing. What are you going to do in a marriage? Are you going to have discussions in the marriage? No. What are you talking about? That's not, what are you talking about? You are going to have a talk show in the marriage? No, 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 no. My friend, action is coming to happen. Yes, you must be moved. Listen, listen. Because are you in the church? Am I a bad person? I'm teaching you. Because the changing scenes of life will change your sexual, um, not inclination, your sexual drive as the years go by. So you need a very high drive for the one who you are marrying in order for it to be sustained no matter what is happening in the changing scenes of life. You understand? Whether your wife becomes bigger, smaller, flatter, Shorter, taller, whether you are stressing or no stressing, whether things are working. Th- well, if things are not working, when we get to the room and we look at each other, and we, I may not have money, I may not have a car, but I have you. Baby, it's important, I tell you. I have something. If I don't have anything, at least I have something for you. I may not have a car for you. I may not have a house for you. Sister Mudain, I'm a walk. I have strong ways for you. Yeah. Hallelujah. I've answered your question. I've answered your question, isn't it? Okay, one more from here. 
<laughs> How do I completely open up to the Holy Spirit to lead every aspect of my life? Especially you are very spiritual about. <laughs> How do I what? Open up to the Holy Spirit to lead every aspect of my life. Open up. <laughs> just talk. Yes. Just talk. Just talk to the Lord. Yes. You see, one of the key things about relation with the Holy Spirit is that, you see, before you say it, He knows it. But, how do I get to know you without talking? If I come to you and I say, How would you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking in my mind. Sorry, Coco Father. How is it going to work? You see, I know the thing in my mind. Okay, the Holy Spirit knows what, but speech, talking, is the key to developing relationships. Without talking, if, you, if, we, if we are relating, we are not talking. That's why the missionaries, I tell them, communicate. If you are not communicating much, I mean, we must talk. The key to developing relationships is speech. And that is what we have. We are blessed with the ability to talk. It is the only differentiation between us and animals. It's because we can talk. That is how come we can develop in many ways. We are social beings, and we need to talk. We can be organized, we can uh, be innovative, we can be creative, we can do all of those things because we can talk. We can communicate in an orderly fashion. Okay? The reason why all the monkeys in Ghana cannot have organized a coup is because they can't agree. It's not, planet of the apes does not exist. They don't have that ability to communicate, and they don't have that. Yes, but we human beings have that we have speech. That's that is the highest, most precious gift that God gives to us. Yes, speech. And your whole life is dependent on your speech. You can change your life by your speech. Yes. So if we are not talking, the 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 the, the Rwandan war was fueled by speech. Someone sitting on radio and saying, kill the cockroaches. All the uh, uh, what what are they called? The, uh, the Tutsis, the Hutus were the ones who talked about. All the Tutsis are cockroaches. We must kill all of them. If you have a, a, a Tutsi in your, in your area and you are not killing the person, you were a very big fool. You need to kill. So they, were, they rose up, like, they had the radio, the guy was talking, and they were killing people. Speech, talking, it's a very powerful thing. Yes. That's why when a pastor plays with talking, Preaching and teaching. He's playing with the most important thing in the, in the whole church. Teaching. Talking. I t- you are playing with your power. It is your power. I came to teach here on feeding. And I was telling you that it is the biggest power of the preacher. Teaching. Talking. 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 That is the only way to get someone become spiritual. Become spiritual. It's, not, it's not by laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is for establishment. But talking is what grows you. You lay hands to establish the growth. That's how it is. You understand? Yes. So, the more you talk in your closet, talk audibly. Holy Spirit, I, I, I need help with this. Thing. I, I'm struggling with this thing. You are talking to yourself. Nobody's there. You and the Lord are talking. I'm struggling with this particular thing. I really need your help. I really need to. Sometimes, when I'm going to preach and I'm not, I'm not I realize I couldn't get the opportunity to prepare. I'm like, Holy Spirit, this is your last chance, oh, Charlie. <laughs> you, are, you know the thing already. If you don't show up, it will be a problem. Look at what I, I, I did this. I had to do this. I, had to, I was trying to sit down for us to do more. But I couldn't. I, I couldn't be able to prepare as much as I knew I'm supposed to prepare. 
please talk to your people. Hey, when I talk like that to the Holy Spirit, I come in. You'll be surprised at where you'll be shocked. Where is this thing coming from? I spoke the Holy Spirit about it. So open up by talking about everything. Your life, your academics, your business, your hopes, what you are hoping for. You see. Yes. Your spiritual struggles. I'm trying I'm trying to pray. Holy Spirit, 3, 3 a.m. waking up is not easy. It's difficult to. They always say we should wake up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. to pray. It's not happening in my life, Holy Spirit. Please help me. Can you help me wake up at 4 a.m. this time around? You'll be shocked. 4 a.m. you wake up. And you will have strength. Sometimes I'm going to. Sometimes this prayer has find that I can't do. Okay? With you guys. Or you've not been joining. The way you are quiet, like you don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I sleep at 5 a.m., at 12 a.m., okay, with intermittent waking up because of my children. So this one wake up, uh, so by, by 1.30 I'm awake, and I'm doing burping. Then by 2.30 I'm waking up to look, wake the other one to go and wee By 3 a.m. this is happening. Someone is coughing, hey, <laughs> hey, then five by four thirty, I am awake like this. My eyes are eyes clear. Let's go to the studio. Hey! Only the Holy Ghost can give you that strength. So when I'm sleeping, I'm like Holy Spirit. If you don't wake me up, how do you know that? All right, good night. Then I sleep, and He wakes me up. He always does a great job. So open up by talking. Have I answered your question? You do. Any other question from the congregation? Yes, sir. Your hand up, sir. And I will come to you. Okay. God bless you for listening. We pray that the Word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the Word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.